Hello there, I'm Rachel Hopkin and this is KGOU's How Curious, the series dedicated to stories from around Oklahoma. Like many of you, I'm sure, I've been aware of the song I'll Fly Away for years, but it wasn't until I moved to Oklahoma last year that I learned that it came from here. It was composed in the late 1920s by a young man called Albert Brumley at the very start of his musical career. It has since become one of the most recorded gospel songs of all time, if not the most recorded, and it's been covered by thousands of artists in multiple styles all over the world. Here, this is to give you an idea of what I mean. Pour some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Till at lam med engen fylld av klød, ligger jeg her. just a teeny sample. As I said, I'll Fly Away is from Oklahoma, though the state was still two years in the future when Bromley was born in 1905 in Indian Territory. His parents were sharecroppers who lived close to Sparrow on Choctaw Nation land. Bryan County singing convention in Durant, over a hundred people, many of them Choctaw, had traveled to enjoy gospel songs and worship together. Such conventions are relatively rare today, but when Bromley was growing up, they were everywhere. By the turn of the last century, this part of Oklahoma was already home to diverse peoples, and gospel songs were common all over the place, regardless of whether the singers were white, black, Native American, or something else, and many of them were able to sight-read the music in the hymnals. This was thanks to their having been trained in the shape note system, a pedagogical method to aid musical learning. In it, each note in the scale, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, is given a different shape. Roger Scott, a Choctaw pastor, is from this area. When I was a child growing up, I remember going to singings like this. A lot of that thing was taken away when we were moved from Mississippi down to Oklahoma. Since we didn't have those, they picked up on gospel music. And so, since the time I was growing up, it was all shape note singing. It's many years since Roger has needed to use shape note singing as a learning aid himself, but since the hymnals shared at the convention still use shape note notation, I asked if he could give me a demonstration, and he kindly agreed to do so. Me do so do, me re me fa me, me re re do. By the time that Roger was gaining his musical education in the 1960s, he was mostly learning at home. However, earlier in the century, the cultural importance of gospel singing was such that whole communities would come together to seek musical training. Here's Larry O'Dell from the Oklahoma History Society. In Oklahoma and other frontiers, in order for groups and congregations to learn music, they would attend these schools to learn shape note singing. And these schools would last three to four weeks and usually three hours each night. And these teachers would move from town to town and do this. And once it was over, the congregation could sight read. This is how the young Albert Brumley himself learned. You can tell he was very interested in it because he went to college to learn how. 
Bromley's ambitions in this direction had been boosted by a chance meeting with E.M. Bartlett. Bartlett ran the Hartford Music Institute in Arkansas. Betsy Brumley is the granddaughter of Albert Brumley. The stories I've heard were, you know, Grandpa decided to go and he hitchhiked from Spyro to Hartford and he didn't have money for tuition. He didn't have money for anything. He just went and he actually knocked on Ian Bartlett's door and said, you know, I met you and I really want to learn how to write music. And Ian Bartlett saw some moxie in him or something and said, well, you better sleep on my couch and I'll make you a deal. You know, I'll teach you this, but you're going to have to write for me until you pay back the tuition. Besides being a music educator, Bartlett was also the founder of the Hartford Music Company, which published hymnals. For Brumley, he became a vital mentor in both the art and the business of music making. Albert joined the Institute in 1926. In 1929, he had to return to Oklahoma to help out on the family farm. And it was during that time that the song I'll Fly Away began to take shape in his mind. He was out picking cotton. And if you've ever picked cotton, you know that it's very painful on your fingers. And he was picking by hand. So he's picking cotton and he knew he did not want to have a life of that. And he remembered the old prison hymn, If I had the wings of an angel, I would fly away. Now if I Then he took that thought and turned that into the song of I'll Fly Away as we know it today. Brumley was a prolific composer, writing over 600 songs during his lifetime. But despite that, each song typically took quite a long time to complete. I'll Fly Away was no exception. He didn't finish it until 1932. By then, he had married, moved to Missouri, and was continuing to work for the Bartlett Music Company, for whom he was contracted to deliver one song a month. If Grandma Brumley had not been in the picture, I'll Fly Away would not have been published. He always called it a little ditty. He was looking for a song to send in for his September month. And he couldn't, he was like, when Grandma's like, why don't you just send I'll Fly Away in? And he's like, okay. He didn't believe in it enough, but Grandma Brumley did believe in it enough. She saw his genius. I'll Fly Away made its first public appearance in a hymnal titled Wonderful Message. From there, it began to make its way into the world. Jeff Moore is the executive director of OK Pop. Sometimes, you know, different songs, it kind of takes a while for things to catch on. It seems to me like I'll Fly Away, it spread really, really quickly. It's on recordings within 10 years after he wrote it. This is very much word of mouth kind of here. Hear this song or play this song. You can hear just how enthusiastic people were about the song when you listen to the Reverend J.M. Gates' introduction to his congregation in Atlanta, Georgia in 1914. I want to talk to you this morning from a song that I've been uh, hearing so long. And I'll fly away. And I want you to sing that song. Sing it now. Open your mouth and sing. I'm glad morning when the night is As more and more artists took it up, the song gained steam. So much so that when the Chuck Wagon Gang recorded it at the end of the 1940s, they were a group with a large radio following in Texas. Their version sold over a million copies. However, according to Betsy Brumley, it wasn't until several decades later that it began to transform into the musical phenomenon that it is today. Really, it took off after Grandpa was, had passed away. That was in 1977. We had 726 recordings of it in 1976, and now we have over 12,000. In that time, I'll Fly Away has become part of popular culture, featured in everything from the Waltons to the hit movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? 
In the process, it's gained significance for people from all walks of life, regardless of their backgrounds or religious beliefs. Did your grandpa ever resent the song's success? Because he wrote over 600 songs, but this one is by far the most known. Well, you have to remember, grandpa was an artist, but he was also a businessman and a publisher. So... In publishing terms, when you have a song that's as successful as I'll Fly Away, you do not resent every time you get that paycheck. The music business is a business thing. People think of it as art, and it is an art, but making money with your music is a very important part of the art. Like Ian Bartlett before him, Brumley understood this. And again, like his mentor, he also became a music publisher, as Betsy just mentioned. In 1944, he founded the Albert E. Brumley and Sons Music Company. Today, over 40 years on from Brumley's death, the Brumley Music Company, as it's now called, continues to thrive in the hands of Betsy and her siblings. And Our Fly Away remains under copyright. This means that every time it airs in a commercial context, be it on CD or Spotify or in a TV show or in a film, rights to use the song must be cleared and royalties paid. I asked Betsy if she was aware of any cases where the song had been used without copyright being cleared. Yes, that would be my life of sitting in a uh, courtroom. Happens all the time because people assume they're public domain and they're not. So you send them a letter and say, okay, you need to pay royalties on this. And if they don't do it, then you end up in court. We have sued everybody and their dog. We've sued Puff Daddy. We've sued the Dixie Chicks. And we've won because, again, it's the music business and we do the business side very well. Is there anybody that you wouldn't give copyright to? Yeah, yeah, there has been. Mostly in um, sync licensing, which is what you do for TV and film. If the context is, you know, witchcraft, if it's evil, because you have to think about the integrity of the song. If all of a sudden you've got a song that is beloved and it's used in evil content or if used with a sexual content or something, it changes the integrity of the song. Changes the associations one Mm -hmm. has with it and everything. It actually makes it less valuable. Can you give me an example of a time you've turned down a right situation for I'll Fly Away? There is a TV show uh, called Fargo, and they wanted to use I'll Fly Away with a hooker singing the song as she was doing a sexual act to a man. We said no, of course. And it was a high five-figure amount of money. So it was a very significant amount of money that we turned down. The youth will be singing uh, in a tongue language. We've returned to a context that is much closer to that which the young Albert Brumley would have had in mind when he wrote I'll Fly Away. The Bryan County Singing Convention in the Choctaw Community Center in Durant, Oklahoma. But even in this place, which is not too far from where Brumley grew up, the song continues to accrue new meaning, as the pastor here, Roger Scott, explained. They're saying that we're one generation away from losing our language. It is our responsibility to keep the language going. And the only way that he can do that is teach him those songs. And when I look at these kids, here they are 16, 17 years old, and they're about to go out into that world. It just makes me so proud that they can sing that their own language so that it'll never be lost. And that gives me a warm feeling right here.
I'd like to say thank you for everyone who was present at the singing convention for allowing me to join and record them. I'd also like to say special thanks to Zane Harding, whose help has been invaluable, and also to Tobin Balwinkle and Caitlin Howard. How Curious is a production of KGOU Public Radio. The editor is Logan Layden, and David Gray composed our theme music. And remember, if you have an Oklahoma-related question, please email me at curious at kgou.org. Race might be a hot topic right now, but for so many of us, talking about race is nothing new. On the Code Switch podcast from NPR, we go beyond the headlines and we go deep. Listen now. <laughs>